0: So, this morning, we're very uh, thankful to have Randy here uh, speaking on our first topic of the month, which is hope. So, would you welcome him as he comes forward? Thanks. Thanks. Good, morning. good morning. All right. Some of you are awake out there, that's good. Maybe all of you will be awake by the time we're done here this morning. Thank you, Abby, for that beautiful song. Uh, I enjoyed that both times. Well, in spite of our springtime weather that we have today, uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Trees are decorated with beautiful ornaments and flashy lights. A lot of our trees have special ornaments that have special meaning to us. Christmas music is playing on radio stations and playing throughout downtown Bern. Quite loudly, I may add. (laughs) The shops and streets of the towns are beautifully decorated and ready for the Christmas season. Special school choir and band performances are on the schedule. This weekend, last night, and this afternoon, are performances of the Messiah at First Mennonite Church. Tonight, here's our children's program at First Missionary Church. And I said in the first service, and I'll say again for you, I can't be here tonight. We have another speaking engagement. But if anybody wants to... uh, Decorate those cookies, which Mike failed to talk about. You're going to decorate cookies afterwards. If you want to decorate some cookies and put them on a plate and find 417 Fulton, that'd be just fine with me. (laughs) Workplaces are holding or have been held uh, their Christmas parties. Excitement is in the air. Christmas is an exciting time. It's not just exciting for toddlers. It's exciting for old guys. I look forward to Christmas. Do you look forward to Christmas? Christmas is a great, great time of the year. Christmas is a family celebration. Now, Christmas means different things to different people. To some people, Christmas is merely a means to make more money. People vie with each other in their preparations for the celebration or the occasion. Some of them don't believe in Christ. The Christmas season now is ushered in by Black Friday. I have never gone Black Friday shopping. Of course, I haven't been here for the last years. But I don't think I want to go shopping on Black Friday. Now, my wife, however, did buy something on Cyber Monday. (laughs) Yes, she did. Business people are more concerned hearing about their profits from Christmas than to hear about the prophet from Bethlehem. The clinking sound of money is sweeter to some than the announcement of Jesus' birth by the angels to the shepherds. For them, the celebration of Christmas is nothing more than a tradition and getting gifts. We're approaching the time of year when many, how, many people, however, do still celebrate the birth of Jesus On that first Christmas over 2,000 years ago, the world experienced some phenomena. They experienced the star. There were many stars in the sky, but none like this one. This one shone with brilliance. It was as though God had taken a lamp from the ceiling of heaven and hung it over the sky where the child was to be born. There also was a new song in the air, a world had lost lost song. Sometimes I feel today in America we've lost our song. We've lost our rejoicing in who Jesus really is. Hope sprang up in the hearts of the people led by the angels and they began to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill towards men. There was also good news. Good news that a Savior had come to be born. A Savior had come to save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then in Luke chapter 2, it says, There is born to you this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This morning, I want to share a message with you that's simply entitled, What's in a Name? What's in in a name. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, just listen as I read from verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came into the world as a human. We thank you that these verses in Isaiah give you these titles of your name and what your name is all about. Help us this morning in these moments together to glean something new from this passage as we look at it together in your name. Amen. We want to take a brief moment and look at what a name is. We have names in our society that often don't have any meanings behind them, or we don't know the meanings. For example, my name is Randy. My name means loyal one. Chances are, if you are a friend of mine, 25 years ago, you'll still be a friend of mine today. I've known my meaning of my name for a long time, and I try to be loyal. I try to be loyal to to people. I try to be loyal as best I can. Now, my mother wasn't naming me Randy because she knew what it meant, but probably because she either liked the sound of it Or maybe she knew someone with the same name, and they named me after them. In fact, if you really want something funny, I was supposed to be a girl. (laughs) And my middle name is simply Joe. But it was going to be Josephine after my aunt. So here comes this young baby named Randy Joe Fudge, kind of like Larry Joe Bird. At least that's what I tell people. Now, my last name, my last name, Fudge, comes from both English and German backgrounds. In Ireland, we didn't tell people about the English. We just said it's from German. But you could go in any of our neighborhoods, any of the, the inner city folks that we ministered with, and you could hear children and teenagers shouting, Fudge! And they'd shout from their balconies of their flats and all over the place. And my my name had meaning. My name meant that someone had entered into their neighborhood that was safe to be with. Someone had entered into that place where they could talk with me. They could share things with with me. They They could cry in front of me. They could laugh in front of me. It was a safe name. It was a name that brought hope to their lives. I used to ask the kids all the time in Ireland, why do you think my last name is Fudge? And you'd get the typical answers, well, you must like chocolate, or your wife makes brownies, and yes and yes. (laughs) But I would tell them my name is Fudge because it was my dad's name, and everyone would laugh. I noticed in both services that Carolyn, nobody laughed. I know. <laughs> there are people in our society today and in different cultures that name their children, and the names have meaning. For example, my dad was Dean Fudge Jr. Now if they could have named me Dean Fudge Third, but they didn't. But his name had meaning. It means he was the same name as his father. For example, Isaiah means laughter. Eve's name means mother of all the living. And Abraham means father of the multitudes or father of nations. The name of the person in the Bible often told something about their character of the person or something about their nature. And so often we find in the Bible people's names being changed. Remember, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. Abram became Abraham. Saul, on the Damascus Road, after he followed and entered the city, his name became Paul. Their names were changed. The passage that we're talking about this morning, it says, his name shall be called. The passage is telling us something about his nature and character, and that's what I want to talk about in our moments together this morning. This child will be born, and what is so special about him. Well, let's investigate the names given to Christ that are found here in Isaiah chapter 9. The first one comes there in verse 6, and it says, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, there are some theologians that would like to separate Wonderful and Counselor. But in my study and in my experiences through my life and hearing other people, I think it's wonderful counselor. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. But what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is a wonderful counselor? It means that he's someone who's going to teach us and who's going to guide us and he's going to direct us. Isn't it good to have somebody like that in our lives? In the Old Testament, however, when it talked about a counselor, It talked about, not Jesus, but it talked about that very thing that people were going to give advice. Usually it was an older, wiser person, and they were going to give advice to the kings and tell them what to do. We need counselors today. We need Jesus, of course, but we need counselors in our lives. We're going to vote on a pastoral candidate next Sunday. I say we, not me, because I'll be out speaking in another church, but you are going to select and affirm a man called of God, whether he's called to pastor this church or whether he's not. And if he receives the call of God from this congregation, my prayer is that we would surround him or whomever becomes our next pastor with counselors, with people who are going to pray for, And lift up and surround. I don't know if it's gonna be Rick or it's gonna be somebody else, but whomever. The kings needed counselors, and we need counselors. I had a group of guys in Ireland that I met with, and we prayed with, and we held each other accountable. Now, I have not developed that yet, being back here in Bern, but I'm praying that happens. I'm praying there are people that we can counsel one another. Does that make sense? The wonderful counselor, the one who will counsel and tell us about God and about life. He will be wonderful. He is wonderful. He is full of wisdom and knowledge, and he will impart that wisdom to those who ask the messiah jesus came and imparted the deep things of god he counseled us about what life is all about love for god and love for mankind colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says in christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge it is the wonderful counselor that we find the answers to life's questions Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He told us that God was interested in the heart. He told us how we are to put others ahead of ourselves. Christ is the wonderful counselor and he cares for us deeply. He wants us to succeed He doesn't want us to fail. And whatever we do, he wants us to be successful. And that brings us hope. Hope for now and hope in the future. The second name we find here in the same verse of Scripture, verse 6, it says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. In the Hebrew language, the word here for everlasting is not the word for God and man, okay? It's simply referring to God. It's E-L, L. And he gives him this title of mighty God. L used only of Jehovah God. What's this saying to us? It's saying that the one to come will be none other than God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. God took on human flesh and dwelled among us. In one of Paul's letters, we read that although he was God, he didn't think of his privileges as God, something to be considered and held on but emptied himself by becoming a man, taking on human flesh and being found as a servant. Jesus is the mighty God, mighty to save. Mighty to keep us. Aren't you glad you serve a God that's mighty? Jesus is the warrior. Jesus goes to battle for us. Jesus stands before us and fills that gap between man and God the Father. Because he is a mighty God. The one to come was God himself. And he lived And moved and ate with sinners. Now in Ireland, every day I would live and move and eat with sinners. There's a lot of sinners in Ireland. But you know, you read in the Bible and it talks about Jesus eating with the sinners, Jesus sitting down and having conversations with sinful people. I need to find some sinners and burn you laugh. Can you point some my way? I've found some already by just being involved with the newspaper and doing webcasts and talking to coaches and and parents and things. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue as to who Jesus is. And Christmas for them is simply a tradition, and they're going to get something. They're going to get a gift. You know, having fellowship with one another is important. Getting around Like-minded Christians is important. In fact, today, we're doing what the author of Hebrews tells us to do, assembling ourselves together. But a lot of people aren't doing that. But we're doing that. We're getting together. We're worshiping. We're singing. We're praying. We're hearing Scripture. But you know what? We all need to find some sinners so that we can live and move amongst and eat with. Because by doing those things, we can share what Jesus has done for us and share that Jesus is a mighty God. He's not just a concept, He's not just something somebody conjured up. He was real, He lived, He died. He is a mighty God. God's not an impersonal force, He's not distant or uninterested, He's concerned and loving and wanting us to seek him. And when we do, we find he's never been far from us. John 1.1 1, 1 says, the word was God. Then in verse 14, the word became flesh. There's a song out there. It's an older song now. It's called "Watching" or God is Watching from a Distance. Anybody know that song? None of you older people know that here. Do I have one hand here? That song is so theologically incorrect. God does not have a telescope and He's not zooming in on us. God is with us, God walks right beside us. And this should bring us hope. Now, Mike, I noticed that my clock is going faster this time. The third name, Everlasting Father. The third title here is found also in verse 6. His name shall be called Everlasting Father. It's saying that Jesus was from the beginning. Jesus was involved in creation, and Jesus is the one who ushers in eternal life. He was and is eternal himself. He was before anything else ever was, and he is the creator. He is eternal and the founder of eternal life for those who believe in him and give their lives to him by faith. A lot of people today say, well, Christianity is just not fair. How can Jesus Christ be the only way of salvation? You know how Jesus Christ can be the only way of salvation, folks? Because it says so in the Word of God. But people don't want to accept what the Word of God says today. Jesus is our everlasting Father. He's the Father of eternity, as he's the one who opens the doorway to eternal life. It's said that Jesus himself in the book of John is called the door of life, and people must enter through that door. And no one gets through except through Jesus. He is the source of eternal life. And are you thankful that you have a relationship with Jesus, and one day we're going to have eternal life? Isabel Scare right now is sitting before the Savior in heaven rejoicing rejoicing. I used to think when I was younger, I I don't don't want to think about, you know, dying and think about all those things. But you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready. Sometimes when when I go to sleep and I can tell my kidneys are acting up and they have this fluttering that I get, I just lean over to Carolyn and I say, you know what? I'm ready. I want you to know I'm ready. And she'll lean back over to me and she'll say, you know what? Say hi to my dad and say hi to your dad. Jesus is the everlasting Father, and this should bring us hope. Lastly, he's called here the Prince of Peace. The last name given is a beautiful name. As I mentioned earlier, a name in the Bible means something. It means something about their character or their nature. He will be characterized by peace. And he did bring peace. Not the kind of peace that many people think. Doesn't mean there's not going to be any more wars. Doesn't mean there's not going to be any more turmoil. But he brought peace and made it available for between me and God. He brought peace and made it available between me and man. And he brought us a peace that we can have in our hearts and in our lives when we're going through difficult things. A peace that passes all understanding. I don't know how some people. Go through life and go through the tragedies that they go through not knowing the Prince of Peace. It's got to be extremely, extremely difficult. We're talking about hope this morning. And if we have peace, we have hope. Christmas isn't always the greatest time of the year for all people, not just the people who are wanting for money, but some people who are, are Christians. I had an individual come up to me recently and said, you know, my daughter lost a child 19 years ago. And her name was going to be Hope. And so this time of year is is difficult because it brings back all those memories. In Micah 5.5 and Zechariah 9.10, we find prophecy that this child will be our peace. He brings us peace with God because he does away... With sin, if we ask Jesus to forgive us, we have His peace in this world, in spite of all the bad things that are happening, because we know He's in control. You guys read newspapers? I love reading newspapers. Anybody read the Fort Wayne Journal yesterday? A couple of us. Well, there's an article in there that y'all ought to read. It's about a child who was abducted at a bus stop in Fort Wayne. Evil is in the world. I can't fathom how some people can do the things they do and not even think they've done anything wrong. But because evil's in the world, Jesus gave his life for us, and Jesus can bring us peace and hope in the midst of all that stuff. Amen? And this should bring us hope. So what have we learned this morning? I hope that we've seen Jesus a little closer. As I said, we're entering into the time of year that is often associated with religion for a lot of people and the birth of Christ, the the Savior, the one who was to come is described as wonderful counselor, the one who tells us about God and about ourselves, how we are to live. Mighty God, God in the flesh, God with us. Here we have God taking on humanity so he can save us and identify with us. He shows his love to us. Everlasting Father. He is called Father of Eternity. As he opens up the way to heaven. And the way to eternal life. He is the head, the source, the Father of eternal life. And Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings peace with God. He brings peace with one another. And he brings inner peace. As he died for sinners and rose again. He is our peace. I want to close with a quote from, in my opinion, one of the greatest preachers ever, and that's uh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham says these words, and I quote, Christmas should be a time of renewed hope. Not hope in a particular political concept, but Christmas hope, Christian hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. And I pray that everyone here this morning would experience hope in your lives this Christmas season. Thank you.